Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I'm Melissa Edgington. And I'm Chad Edgington. Thank you for joining us on the podcast where we discuss living the Christian life in today's world. So, here we are again, podcasting. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> and I was just really enjoying that bumper. Yeah, it you was know? really, it was a toe tapper. Yeah, well, it was a different, uh, you know, we tried a different approach this week to the intro. Yeah. We pre-recorded it. Getting all high tech. Yeah, you know, we're, I'm trying to listen to podcasts that are, you know, real a real podcast. I've noticed that the real podcasters have a really cool intro. And then just, you know, after they say a, a few words, they just have a break and then there's more music. So isn't that great? Wow. I mean, I think we've really achieved the format. <laughs> That's how um, you do it. You have music at the front, a few words, another musical interlude, and then you come back. And that's when you start your podcast in earnest. But I think those few words before the second round of music is when you're supposed to say what your podcast is going to be about. Yeah. I don't think what I'm doing right now is I'm just establishing the format because I don't even know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> that requires a little more foresight, preparation, planning. Maybe you go maybe what you do is you record the podcast and then you then go you do back. the beginning of it. Yeah. We will figure this out. That is smart. I would love to hear what people think of the the format. If they love it, if they hate it. Music talking music. Yeah, music talking. If you like, what if you're like, well, let's do music talking, music talking, music talking. Because I know some do that. That you seems want, like it would get a little old. Yeah, because I keep playing the same song over and over again. I yeah. have to work some more music in. Yeah. That's our own music, by the way. I'm going to try to use all our own music on our podcast. Cool. Yeah, so that'll be neat. And... uh Royalty free. <laughs> Most I mean, I, I give myself permission to use our music. Do you give us permission to use the music? I do. Yeah, we have permission to use our own music on the podcast. So we're so generous. Yeah, I know. We don't want to get sued. <laughs> so I try to always use royalty free music. It's out there. Um, you just have to find it. So anyway, we're glad you're joining us, and we are um, trying to. Uh, uh, bring you some good content, right? <laughs> well, yes. So Melissa and I were thinking, what would be something that would be helpful? Because I know most people do love to hear us talk about silly things for 30 minutes, but I thought, what if we could actually be edifying? <laughs> what if? Yeah, what if? So I thought edification <laughs> would be a really good thing. And, and so I'm trying to rein myself in. I have a million rabbit trails I feel like chasing. <laughs> So I'm really trying to rein myself in to stay focused on something that would be edifying. And then maybe if we have time at the end, we can talk about something stupid. Okay. Does that sound good? <laughs> so I'm sure we'll like, talk about some stupid things in the middle. Everybody's like, gosh, I really wish they would just start with the stupid stuff. <laughs> well, it's it's been about four minutes of stupid stuff, if you're counting. And then we're now we're going to try to get into this in earnest. But we were thinking about... Um, I've used the word earnest twice. I don't ever say that word that much in, in a year. <laughs> All right, let's talk about earnest. So I think I had an uncle of some sort, maybe a great uncle who was named Ernest. But I have no memories of him except seeing this guy in a hospital bed in his living room or something. Interesting. Yeah, so that's the first earnest memory I have of Ernest. <laughs> I... I had a step-grandfather named Ernest. You had an Ernest? Yeah. Do we know anyone named Ernest? Ernest. I don't. And then there's like the best Ernest. Ernest, Ernest P. P. Worrell. <laughs> yeah. And he's, Jim Varney is sadly has passed. Yeah. So I do love Ernest. And uh, 
Those were the best movies, weren't they? What's your favorite Ernest thing? He had a TV show, made some movies. I the, liked Ernest Goes to yeah, Camp. Yeah, Ernest Goes to Camp, though. That was the, that was the classic. That was his masterpiece. Yes. It never got any. It never got any better than Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there's probably think of all the people out there that probably have no concept of Ernest. They're missing out. Yeah, they don't. They missed the Jim Varney years. I bet you can find all the Ernest movies on Amazon Prime. For, or I bet you can find them on YouTube for free. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, but you got to see if you haven't seen Ernest Goes to Camp. Sit down and watch it with your kids. I hope. Wait I mean, a minute. Yeah, wait, I don't know if we should. May, that's the thing about things I remember watching when I was a kid. <laughs> when you go back and watch them, you're like, "How in the world were we allowed to watch this?" We screen so, it first. Yeah, get we on YouTube. We don't actually remember. Screen Jim Varney movies before you watch them. I think they were clean. I don't know. I, I think they were clean. I've but... come to not trust the 80s. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I yeah, mean. I cannot trust the 1980s. All the kids' movies? They were not kid movies. Everything was yeah. gross and violent. Yeah. You know? And and so there must have been a huge, I vaguely remember it, um, a huge movement, you know, when they started putting explicit advisory labels on certain albums. Yeah. Um. There were there was a lot of talk about violence in television and violence in movies, and really, it whatever that movement was, it seemed to take hold. Yeah. Because things are definitely a lot less violent. I think maybe they're not. Um, maybe 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 just what seems appropriate for children is a lot less violent. I don't know. You don't think so? No. <laughs> I, I I really do. I, I don't I just I don't know if there's just the sort of well, I don't know. Maybe I don't watch enough TV to, again, most of my TV these days is British costume dramas, and there's just not a lot of violence there. No. So, so um, Other than the occasional duel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or battle, you know, with muskets. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. So I, that would, that's something interesting to think about. I, I do remember just a lot of things when I was watching TV as a child, there was always explosions and things blowing up. There were tons of fist fights and guns everywhere. Maybe that's the way it is now, but, um, you know, I, I definitely re- don't remember. I remember thinking great things about certain movies and TV shows. And when you go back and watch them again, they're not even full house. Wouldn't you say, I don't oh, know, I know. Was Full House 80s or 90s? It's kind it, of it spanned spanned the decades. Yeah, it started in the 80s and went through the night. It, it went to like 94 or something. There's only one good thing about that show. You know what it is? Jesse's hair. Yes, I was going to say that. John Stamos had had, had a terrific uh, mane. Yes, he I did. I mean, just gigantic 80s hair. Very beautiful hair. That worked into the 90s. Yeah. And uh, so that, that that's always impressive just to see his hair. But the kids have watched it, and you, and you come across some some things like, I don't know if they should watch that. Yeah. You think it's a kid's show, well, but it's not. One thing is that the uh, the kids in the show are a little bit bratty. I mean, I hate to say that. But every time I'm watching that show with the kids, I'm always saying to Emerald, oh, Michelle should not be at talking to her daddy like that, should she? Michelle mm-hmm. needs to get in trouble. <laughs> Michelle, yeah. She needs to be put in time out. <laughs> Or worse. What does Emerald think about that? Uh, she always agrees with me. She agrees that she's yeah. being a bad girl? Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, I don't know. So I I had a, a, a sneaky plan the other night. Yes, I love this plan. Yeah, so I had a sneaky plan. Whenever Melissa and I lived in Nashville, in the early days of our marriage we would wind down every night, sort of like we do now, except without all the calories. <laughs> we would wind down every night by watching uh, one hour of The Andy Griffith Show, which was, you know, syndication, but it was sort of there would be the first episode would be at some point in the series run. The next episode would be later or earlier, just depending on, they were, you know, it wasn't one after another. It was, right. they were in different syndications. So you'd get one that was black and white that had Barney, and then you'd get one that was, you know, the colorized version that didn't have Barney, which they were all good and funny. But I'm telling you, Don Knotts was a genius. Yeah. And so uh, we just – any time – I just think 
when Don Knotts in that character comes onto the set or the scene or whatever, when he makes his entrance, it, it's always funny. Mm-hmm. You know, not until Kramer years later did a guy <laughs> just walk in and you just start laughing. Yeah. But Barney, in my opinion, is better than Kramer. Oh, for sure. Barney Fife is the best. I'm saying it right here. He's the best television character in the history of television. Can you think of anyone better than that? At least comedic. No, I'm saying altogether. There's not a better character than Barney Five. Yeah. He's he's, he's really, the best. He's funny. I mean, you see him, he steals every scene, he's hilarious. So anyway, um I had this idea to show the kids Andy Griffith so that they'll want to watch that because they like to watch the same thing over and over again. They'll watch episodes of over and over. Yeah. So and they don't watch that much television. We don't have time to watch that much television. So when they get a chance, they sit down and watch whatever show it is that they're really into. And so we thought, all right. I said, hey, have you guys ever seen Barney? And they're like, we hate Barney. Because they were thinking the purple, purple dinosaur. dinosaur. <laughs> I said, no, no, no. There's this hilarious guy, Barney Fife. He is so funny. He's on the Andy Griffith show. You know what the first objection was? It's black and it's white. It's black and white. We hate that. It's black and white. That's, what? That's, the, that's what they said. They did not want to watch it because it was black and white. They watch black and white movies with me all the time. <clears throat> so anyway, I said, well, you know, it's still funny even though it's black and white. You know, you, that's just because they didn't have color back then. But still funny. So we picked out an episode. I picked out one from the early days. And it's in that first season where Andy's real hickish. Mm-hmm. You know, when you watch that show... Andy sounds like a real hick the first season before they figured that that's just not going to work. And then he tones it down. But Barney's really funny the whole series. So and, and Opie was in it, and they really liked Opie. So they started watching it, and I've noticed every time they get a chance now. I know. They're watching Andy And Griffith. every episode is hilarious. Every, it's all good, and they re- they're really into it. The first one we watched was where Barney was doing a stakeout in the – the department store. Oh, yeah. And he was posing as a mannequin. Yes. <laughs> so it's good. So anyway, that's that's where we've been now. So, you you know, you can't trust the 80s or the 90s. You can trust the early 60s for the most part. I don't know about Adam's family or Munsters, but they seem pretty harmless. What do you think? I think so, too. Yeah. So you can pretty much Beverly Hillbillies, Gomer Pyle, you know. Yeah. Those, I, I think, I can trust them. You know what show I used to really like? Green Acres. Yeah, that's, Remember a, that show? that's the place to be. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch Petticoat Junction? No. So so probably, oh, Melissa and I grew up in different regions of the state. I grew up in the Metroplex, there in that sprawling suburban jungle between um, Dallas and Fort Worth. It's just really a bunch of apartment complexes. Melissa was privileged to grow up in a small town out in the country. Did y'all get Channel 39? Do you remember that? I don't remember. Or Channel 11. So these were these were not the main networks. They were they were like local owned television stations. Okay. And that's where all those shows came on. Mm. So it would just be in the summertime. You know, it would start off at lunchtime. They thought people would come home, so they probably played Andy Griffith. So it started with Andy Griffith, Mayberry RFD, or no, Andy, Gomer Pyle, Beverly Hillbillies, all those shows. Mr. Ed? I don't think Mr. Ed. I don't see that till <laughs> till Nickelodeon, Nick at Night. That oh, yeah. didn't come on. But they played all those. And Petticoat Junction, Green Acres, all they just played, you know, from noon until four, until, until or five, until they played Star Trek or whatever. It was all those 30-minute sitcoms from the old days. Watched yeah. a lot of those. I liked them all. They were all kind of the same. They were yeah. all like country, country shows. You ever thought about that? Like all of those shows had something to do with like hillbillies or country stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, that that was the you know the rural comedy seemed to be what ruled the day, because it was wholesome and it had values. I, I, it's good stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, the next thing you know, it's we got Dukes of Hazard comes in, but then they're like shooting flaming arrows. Like everything gets violent. Yeah. You know, prime time it would be, you know, A Team. Um, MacGyver. MacGyver's I guess maybe later. A Team, Dukes of Hazard. 
Falcon Crest, Dallas, you know, just yeah. scandalous stuff that Dynasty we loved. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so there, I've talked about the stupid stuff first. It, you it, did it. Really it. You it did it. Fifteen it minutes. Thank you, Ernest P. Whirl, <laughs> for that wonderful discussion of Barney Fife. Um, anyway, so I had um, an idea of something we could discuss today. Okay. So I've been thinking a lot about raising kids, you know, in the current culture. Because I have to, because mm-hmm. I'm doing it. That's right. You know, have you know, have you thought about the fact that you're at the halfway point now? So you've got a 12 year old. So you've been parenting for 12 years. Yeah. And you have a five year old, so you've got about 12 more years. Of parenting with kids in the nest. Yeah. So yeah. she's 17, 18. So you're at midway. That's so, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Halfway. It's kind of. It's kind of sad. Yeah. But, I mean, just to think about the fact that there's as much water left to go as there is under the bridge. Yeah. It's gonna, we're going to be really old when Emerald graduates high school. Yes, we are. So we can walk her out, you know, across the graduation stage with our canes, our folding canes. <laughs> um, we're not going to be that old. All right. That's, that's good. We'll try to eat healthy. So, parenting. So, you know, I... These days... Yeah, so I was thinking about things that my mother and grandmothers taught me when I was a kid. And I think and about being polite, you know, as a child. And I think that these are some of these things have maybe fallen, I don't know if they've fallen out of favor or if they just have kind of been forgotten and gone by the wayside. So I thought we could talk about 10 ways to teach politeness. That sounds good. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> and some of these are kind of no-brainers. They're good for everybody, though, right? But, you know, let's let's before we dive into them, let's talk about why it would be important for a Christian family, especially, to teach their children politeness. Well, I think as we were preparing, we went to the Proverbs, which, you know, Proverbs are generally true sayings so proverb is not a promise a proverb is not uh you know the one that people say all the time they will train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old they'll not depart from it well sometimes you train up a child in the way they should go and what happens they depart they from depart it. from it and you say well how did that happen but what the proverb is a generally true statement that means the apple doesn't fall far from the tree right you know if you'll train up a child towards righteousness it's going to go on that pathway uh but there are several proverbs <clears throat> about children, I mean, you think of the, the, uh, uh, oh, I had it, I had it marked down here, 13, 24, I'm turning, you can hear me t- flipping the pages here, 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him, and we looked at that verse, and we, you know, does it really say that? That if you spare the rod, you hate your son? It's such a strong word. And, uh, you know, what does that mean to spare the rod? What does that mean, Melissa, to spare the rod? Well, it doesn't mean, it, it doesn't mean what people generally translate that to mean. It's right. it's not just talking about whether you spank your children or not. Yeah. It's talking about more generally correcting your children, guiding them. Yeah, you think about the rod has two mean the rod is two could mean two things. Rod could mean an, a weapon or the rod could mean something that a shepherd carries. And I hope in your approach to your children, you don't wake up in the morning and consider yourself to be in a war with them. Right. Um, they're not your enemy and you're not their enemy. Uh, you are their shepherd. You're especially fathers. Uh, um, you know, you're you're the shepherd of your household, and mothers, you are in that that role as well of shepherding gently your children, and with that tenderness that a shepherd uses uh, to round up the sheep, to protect the sheep, to guard the sheep. So that rod is really we we see that it's a rod that 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 keeps them on their way. It's the authority, it's the discipline, it's the correction. It's so we, we love them by taking an active role in their life. So, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're 
that we're taking an active role in shaping who they are, even their conduct. Because there's another verse, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 15, it says, even a child is known by his actions, which would also mean that that an adult is known by their actions, but even a child is known by their actions, whether his conduct is pure and right. So people can look at a child and they can they they will determine that child's reputation, that child's um, character by the way the child acts. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for us to communicate to our children that they need to um, behave a certain way in certain situations. Yeah, now, why, why, let me ask you a question since you're the expert. Um, so you don't feel like you're the expert? No, I'm not an expert. Okay. But I am halfway through. You're halfway through, and you're a lot (laughs) smarter than I am. So, uh, and I'll say that I've learned so much from parenting about Melissa, or wait, so much about parenting from Melissa, uh, and I think some of these lessons, you know, that she, that that I just never really even thought of. You know, I was just a kid who naturally behaved well. Right. So I don't. Well, anyway, you actually were. You were actually a really really good kid. I just, you know, sort of did these things because I guess I lived in fear. I don't know. Um, that was just my okay. chair. She thought a child was awake. My chair popped. But, um, you know, I guess I never really thought, you know, if, if, and, and I don't want to be critical of people, but you, I, th- I think I'm, re- I'm recalling there was one, um, I don't know if it was a Sunday that we were down at your parents' church. And I remember maybe it was, I don't remember this. Maybe we were in a minivan. I'm not, I have a vague memory of, we were standing, maybe it was with one of our children, and somebody was talking to them, and they didn't speak back to them. And when we got in the car, you said, listen, when someone speaks to you, you need to look at them, and you need to speak back to them. Hmm. And I thought, you know, I thought, gosh, I mean, I don't know that we often tell children that, hmm. that we ever tell them that if you're spoken to, you need to be polite to the adult, and you need to speak back to them. We just say, oh, it's just a, it's just a child, you know, and it's, imp- I think it's important. I st- did this the other day with Emerald. She was being shy, you know, she was being shy, but she was spoken to by an adult and I had to tell her, hey, if you're going to keep acting like this, you know, this is wrong. You're, you, you're not, um, you're being rude and to let them, let her know that she was being rude. So, um, why do you think people, why do you think we have such a hard time holding children to that standard? Well, I think it it boils down to us not expecting much out of our children. Okay, that's good. And I think that... Low expectations. I think when we raise our expectations of our kids, then they they rise to meet the challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that, that I want to talk about here as we get into these 10 things. But let's go ahead and jump into them since we're already 23 minutes in. <laughs> So the first one is, this is really one that was instilled in me when I was very young, and it still is something that bothers me very much. Um, If I'm in a situation where my kids are, are not adhering to this. So the idea is, when you're in a room, and there are adults who are standing Mm -hmm. in the room, then... I was taught that children should not be sitting in chairs when adults are standing. They should be they should be standing, they should be sitting on the floor or sitting in a parent's lap. Okay. And so that one is so easy to do. Right. Because after you tell your kids this a few times, then you'll start noticing that they notice whenever there aren't enough seats and there are adults standing up. Right. And they will get up naturally and just get in the floor. Right. Or stand themselves to give uh, seats to adults. Yeah. And it's so much easier for a kid to get in the floor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a real hard time getting back up. But I so. think that is a good one because I think it it instills in them a sense of noticing what's happening around them. And then whenever those boys grow up, you know, when Sawyer grows up and he is on a bus... And there are women standing up. He's not going to be sitting in the seat. I yeah, hope yeah, he will get yeah. up and give them their seat. Yeah, ultimately. His seat. And I know, and I can hear the objections to that. Now, what what is the objection to that? Like, why would people not do follow that? 
It would say there are a lot of reasons you're teaching that kid. You're you're just saying to my child or, or that, that they're not as important as that other person, right? You know, but really, I would say I would turn that around and say you're you're teaching your child to be considerate of others. You're not t- telling them that they're not worth. You're teaching them to recognize the worth in other people as well. Right. You're 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 trying to you're trying to show them the importance and the goodness in giving up your seat for someone else. Yeah. And that can, is that it's I, empathy. Right. And I can feel how that would rub people the wrong way though. Oh, it it would. Yeah. It so, does I mean, because people think, well, my child's tired. My child has every right to sit here. Right. I'm just saying it's not polite. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's rude. All right. <laughs> so go ahead with that rude self, girl. <laughs> okay. Number two, when adults are talking, children should not interrupt. Okay. Now this one. I didn't want to interrupt you. You know, you know what? I saw this in action before we even had kids. Our friends, Scott and Leah Jeffries. They, their, their oldest who is now in college. I can't believe that Mm, mm, mm. grace. So she was about three or four. Probably I was sitting on the couch talking to Leah and grace came up and she wanted to show us something. And Leah said to her, we are talking. The adults are talking. You need to go somewhere else. Mm. And she did not dissolve into a pile of tears she did not you know um fall on the floor she turned around and she walked off and she went and entertained herself Mm -hmm. and i when i saw that happen i thought now that is good parenting right there because she had taught grace when the adults are talking then you need to go do something else kids and adults are different and kids don't need to be privy to every adult conversation Right. And they don't need to interrupt. And it makes your life a lot easier if your kids know that. Yes. And if your kids interrupt adults, it's rude. Don't be rude. (laughs) (laughs) And none of these things are things that are going to happen every single time the way you want them to. Yeah, and your kids will still interrupt. And I guess that's the thing is our kids are not perfect. Our kids still break these rules. But we are mindful of them. And when it happens, you pull them aside afterward. You don't have to embarrass them in front of everybody or, or be harsh with them. You just say, hey, when you're, we were talking to so-and-so the other day and this happened. Yeah. Or just a minute ago, um, you know, let's make sure we don't do that again. Yeah. And you just teach them gently these things. And, and don't be afraid to tell your kids, hey, um, this is not a place where you need to be right now. You know, go play, go yeah, do something, yeah. go entertain yourself. It's okay to say that to your kids. Yeah. It's not going to irreparably harm them. Trust me, my parents did that to me all the time yes. when I was a kid. And we do it all the time. We're talking, a kid walks in, we're like, go somewhere else, go away, go away. And that's, they just, they, just, they just go away. They go turn around and go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but eight. I'm just saying, oh. you, you don't need to feel guilty about that. Yeah, don't don't feel mm-hmm. guilt. Don't let the don't let the kids run the house. You're the parent. Yeah. You're the adult. You got to be the adult. Yeah. Number eight. Tell us what you got. Well, it's number three. Oh, number. I was, I'm counting, I was counting up down. From what? Yeah. I was going ten nine. Okay. <laughs> okay. So number you gave three. us number one, and you're, so you're going in order of least. Well, no, they're not in any particular any, okay, order. Okay. okay. Right. Number three is easy. Please and thank you. It's important to constantly remind your kids to say please and thank you. Mm-hmm. So the way I do it is probably the way your mother did it. As when somebody gives your child a compliment, then you say, what do you say? What do you say? Yeah. And then after a while, you start to say, what do you say? But before you even get it out, they're saying thank yeah, you. Say, or you say, did you say thank you? Yes, I said. They said it. They said it. Yeah. And yeah. another thing is, you know, training your kids to, like, if they need a straw at a fast food restaurant... Then you can tell them, okay, you go to the counter and ask for a straw, say please and thank you. Mm -hmm. And then they learn the independence of going up and asking for the straw and being polite and their responses to the worker. Okay. And so at a restaurant, when should children start to order their own food? Um, Every child's different, but Emerald orders her own food a lot of times. She's five. She's five. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good thing. You do not want, I have seen teenagers who whisper their order in their mother's ear and have their mother order. And they're too afraid to say out loud what they want to eat. Yeah, you don't want to send your child out into the world without being able to order her own food. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, so. Okay. Unless unless they're going to order a steak. 
<laughs> and then I'd be like, no, no, I'll order for you. Well, I usually ask, yeah. um, what are you planning on ordering? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, check with them beforehand <laughs> to make sure. You know, CJ told me something interesting the other day. He said, uh, that's our youth pastor. He said he read somewhere that the new iPhone costs $1,000, but you could order everything on the, the Cracker Barrel menu for 800 <laughs> And I thought, that would be fun if you had $800 to blow. Just so I'll, I'll have one of everything. That doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get through a whole plate of food there. There's yeah, a lot of food on the plate. Portion distortion. Okay, so we're on number four. Number four, okay. you already touched on. When someone, number seven. When someone speaks to a child, he should respond. Now, I know that we are all about stranger danger, okay? I do not tell my kids, hey, if if you're walking down the street by yourself, which they never are, and a stranger talks to you, you need to respond. I'm talking about when you're standing there with your child, okay? Mm-hmm. When you are together and someone is speaking to him at church or at school or whatever, then you should expect your child to respond, even if they're shy. That you just need to, it's something you can role play at home where you sit there with the child and you give them a situation, say Mr. So-and-so walks up and he says, what a pretty dress you have on. And then you coach them through how they would respond by looking up and saying one word. I mean, they don't have to say much. Thank you. Yeah. So that is an important one, I think, because it teaches social skills Mm -hmm. and it's just rude to not respond whenever someone's speaking to you. We saw a person today that would not respond when we were trying to talk to them. That was true. And it, and we both were like, that guy was so rude. I was talking to this guy and he would not (laughs) acknowledge my presence. And I was like, dude, come on. And, and you know what? It was probably that his mother did not teach him to respond whenever people talk to him. I don't know. Okay. Or, or it was drugs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number five. Did you have anything else to say about that? No, I'm just, again, I mean, that's that's a real hard, I think that's a hard one. Yeah. Because kids, and especially little ones, are, go through that. I mean, sometimes they seem like they'll do great with that. And then, like the other day, Emerald uh, was, was talking to, our secretary was talking to her, and she just was, she clammed up or was embarrassed or I don't even know what the deal was. Yeah. And I had to t- talk to her afterward and say, hey, we're, you know, you're going to lose, you know, I'm trying to go off that idea of blessings and curses, that good things happen when you obey and bad things happen when you don't. Mm. And, and I kind of went at it and say, hey, if you don't, you know, if you're going to act like this, we can't go do this, this, and we can't go to the circus. We can't do the, I think that's what it was that day. And, uh, you know, and I think she had eventually warmed up a little bit, but not much. And I had to say, you were, be- and I just told her point blank, I said, you were being rude. Yeah. And, it, and it upset her. But, you know, it's, it's enforcing that, that that's the expectation is that you're going to speak when you're spoken to. And if you don't, it's rude. Right. And they don't want it. And kids don't want to be rude. And some of these things literally take years. Yeah. To teach kids. Yeah. And most people, when a five-year-old acts that way, they're not going to think, they're not going to think too poorly of the child. Right. When the child's 10 and doing that, you got a problem. Right. So you start early, you know, training them up that way. So we're on number. We're on number five. Three, four, five. I'm still counting down. Before we move to that, I want to say that. I believe that the earlier you start, the easier it is for kids to learn these behaviors. Mm-hmm. The longer you let them, um, you know, continue in patterns that are not creating a politeness within them, then the harder it's going to be for them to change their ways. Right. And the more of a battle you're going to have. If you're teaching your two-year-old, right, when she's learning language, to say thank you when someone tells her she's wearing a pretty dress, mm-hmm. then you're you're ahead of the game. That's the way to do it. Don't wait till they're six. Right, it's a lot harder. Because there's a, there there will come a point where, I mean, you get you. There's grace there when you're young. People do not expect a two year old to act like a fifteen or twenty year old. Right. You know, they're a two year old. They understand. They're you know, my thing about kid. They're just like they're they're on wild mood swings. They are, you know, 
happy one second and the floor crying the next second. I mean, they do seem like they got real problems, y'all. Right. I mean, if an adult acted like that, we would put them in an institution yeah, because they're, they're, they're so emotionally unstable. <laughs> but, you know, whenever you're you're working with a two and three year old, I remember you got you guys went to a parenting conference and I know the Duggars have really fallen out of favor because of all the scandal and all that, but um there was something that Michelle Duggar at a conference you came back and told me that she taught her children to obey and obey fast. Mm-hmm. When she would so what what was her advice there? Her advice was um what what she would tell her kids was obedience is doing what I ask when I ask it with a good attitude. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really important, the good attitude part. Mm-hmm. But she also would do things like um, she would have <clears throat> obedience practice. Yeah, that's what I was remembering, the practice. And so what she would do is she would take her little bitty ones, two and three years old, and she would say, okay, I want you to run to your room and get me your panda bear stuffed animal and get me a blue shoe and bring it back right here. And so they would go and they were practicing following her instructions. That's basically fetch, right? Yeah. <laughs> so play fetch with your kids. It's fun. Yeah. She had some good ideas. Yeah. So, but, but teach them to obey, obey quickly. And when they're yeah. little, and then it's, it is a lot easier. I was out in the backyard with Adelaide. We were cleaning out the rabbit, rabbitry. And uh, there were these little bitty saplings that were in the ground. There's a, there's a pecan tree that hangs mm-hmm. over the fence from our neighbor's yard. And I said, do you, do you know what that is? We looked down, and it's one of my favorite sermon illustrations, and it was right there. I mean, I was living it. <laughs> and uh, Love it when that happens. I love it when a sermon illustration is true. <laughs> I said, you know what that is? I said, that's a pecan tree. And she said, that's a pecan tree? I said, yes, that is a little pecan tree. And I reached down there and I thought, boy, I hope this comes out easy because that's the whole idea of the. <laughs> yeah. So I reached down there and I pulled out that pecan, uh, pulled that little sapling out of the ground, and it just came out with hardly out any effort, I put all by the root, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I took it and I threw it back over the fence where it came from, and I, <laughs> I said, uh, <clears throat> I said, you see how how easy it is, um, how easy it is to to pull out this sapling when it's a baby when it before it's very old at all and i said i pointed the pecan tree i said imagine trying to pull that one up i said you know it's once that once it's taken root and it's grown you can't pull it out of the ground so it's the same with sin but it's really the same with any habit yeah any habit whenever it's young is easy to stop right when it's taken root it's it's much more difficult so let the good habits take root when they're small and don't beat yourself up over it or feel guilty all the time, but don't quit. I mean, keep working at it. And I've, you know, I mean, I can't take much credit for polite Edgington kids. Um, I'm trying to teach them, you know, how to make noises with their bodies and things like that. You're the one (laughs) doing the, (laughs) I'm like, see what happens when you put your arm under your armpit like this. You know, you're the one doing the, 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 the major work, but that, that really is something you've stuck with. And, and Well, I, I and think that them. I think that what happens is if you put the work in early on, it's been my experience. You know, when our children were preschoolers, toddlers, a lot of my life was consumed with discipline, mm-hmm. teaching them the way to be. But then after... Those years of putting in all of that work, I mean, the the times when we have to discipline our children now, I mean, honestly, are few and far between mm-hmm. because we put in the work early on. Knock on wood. Um, I mean, Emerald is still, you know, she's five, so yeah, I'm, I'm talking more of the older two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, put in the work early on and it makes it so much easier. Just like you said, Chad, just rip up that little sapling before it turns into a mighty pecan tree in their life. Because pecan trees are dirty. <laughs> I just want to say that. You think, oh, wow, uh, I love pecans. You do not want one of those trees in your yard. They they just make, they just stain. Sap. They it's sap. Well, sap. It's something. It's like dust. It's oh, stains it's everything. Yeah. I don't know. They're just dirty trees. Okay, get number... You oak, get you an oak tree. Get you a nice oak tree. Number five. Number five. 
When your kids are in a quiet and still environment, you should teach them to be quiet and still. Mm. Now, this is one that this is one that I was talking about that takes years, literally years to teach kids this or for them to get to the point where they're old enough to really do this well. But you can start very, very early on training your kids to do this. And this is one of those areas where I feel like we have very low expectations of our kids. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't. We shouldn't have low expectations because kids really can sit still and be quiet. And they can do that even without anything to entertain them. Right. So uh, how in the world do you teach a child <laughs> to sit still and be quiet when everyone else is sitting still and being quiet? Well, I think that an important part is talking to them about the situation before you're in it. Okay. And I still do that with Emerald. So let's so let's model model for me that let's pretend that I'm five years old because often I act that way. <laughs> so let's uh, let's pretend I'm I'm saying uh, I'm in the car seat. You just buckled me in. Are we going to McDonald's? Are we? Go- I'm I'm pl- role playing here. Um, no, we're going to church. What? <laughs> I want chicken nuggets. <laughs> okay, so we're going to church. And... What about, do they have gogurt there? <laughs> Chad. All right, I'm just, <laughs> just keeping it real, y'all. Okay, so I would say to her, we're going to church, and when we go in there, you know, whenever Daddy starts preaching, mm-hmm. you're going to have to be still and quiet. You can't look around behind you. You're going to have to sit back with your back up against the pew. And you're going to have, you, you can't even whisper when we're in there. You're not allowed to whisper. Okay. And so that already sets up an expectation okay. of what I'm expecting from her. If I set up the expectation and then she doesn't meet the expectation when the time comes, then I can discipline her because I have told her what's expected. And if she doesn't obey, then I can discipline and I do that within reason, depending on the age of the child. Okay. And then then also, what if I can't talk and I don't understand English? Okay. <laughs> Are you so, talking about a baby? I'm talking about a baby. Now, well, I think sometimes people get too mad at babies for acting like babies. Yeah, you can't expect a baby to be so So you can't quiet. have that conversation with a baby. No. <laughs> so I say, if there's a nursery... Just use it. <laughs> and you save yourself a lot of trouble there, well, right? it's more fun for you. Yeah. Believe me, I kept all my babies in the nursery until they had until got they kicked, kicked out. out for yeah. age. It's yeah. a lot, and it's just a lot easier. I'm just saying this for my other pastor friends who sometimes have a hard time preaching when babies cry. <laughs> you know, take advantage, because the nursery really does take a lot of the stress out of that, right? I mean, we've talked about this before, I think. Oh, it does for me. Yeah, it uh, takes the stress out. You need a break. And you've got these wonderful ladies in there that are willing to watch your children. And, yeah. of course, they're not as awesome as you are with your own child. But, I mean, the, every time we've gone back to a nursery, the child was still alive. Every single time. And that's what counts, y'all. <laughs> the baby made it. And you, so, so, usually those things are set up to keep them alive. And so, yeah. you know, don't, don't have too high of expectations of a nursery. Yeah. You know, if their diapers change, they get some goldfish, they live through the service. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good experience. And they're not going to remember anything that happens until they're five. So, you know, <laughs> that's why I said that's God's grace in parenting. It's like we're so bad, you know, the first five years that God lets them forget everything. <laughs> no, they, they remember something. So. But funny. anyway, so I would say have realistic expectations of based upon the age of the child. Yeah, and don't be too hard on your three-year-old. You know, they are not going to sit perfectly still, but you can still set the expectation on them that they're not allowed to talk out loud. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to turn around and stare at the people behind them, I love it when that kids, kind of thing. I love it when kids do that at restaurants, though. You do? When they turn around and just like, I give them the stink eye. <laughs> like, I see if I can get that kid to turn around without saying anything. <laughs> they look at me and they're like, Oh my gosh, there's something wrong with that man back there. <laughs> he has given me the creeps. Um, I just stare him down because they're usually just they usually just stare at you, you know. Yeah, they do. Well, we're we're let's let's try let's to keep this on, let's try to keep this under an hour, yeah. so it's okay. Okay, number six, 
When your child receives a gift or a meal that they don't want or need, they need to smile and say thank you. Okay. Okay, so this is another one that you have to do the you have to lay the groundwork before the situation comes up. So <laughs> if we are going to a church member's house for lunch, then I will say to my children, even my twelve year old, I will say to everyone, she worked hard to prepare this meal for us. Whatever it is, take it. Say thank you, eat it, smile. Okay. Okay. If we're going to have a birthday party, then I will remind the children before before the party, if you open a gift and you already own it. Smile. Smile and, and say, say thank, thank you. you. Yeah. There's no need to announce that <clears throat> at the party. Okay. So that's just a basic. Yeah. Thing. That reminds me of a story. Uh, I'll try to tell it quickly. But I remember when I was a little boy, my um, grandpa... Cecil, uh, you know, who must have been in his 50s or 60s, uh, brought his new 13-year-old wife to my parents' house so they could meet her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. Isn't that, have I ever told you that before? Yes. Okay. I just didn't expect it to come up on the podcast. Well, I mean, you know, it's all water under the bridge now. So. <laughs> anyway, so they brought me like a little racetrack or something with little cars that rolled on it. And I was like, this is awesome. I've already have <laughs> I have two of these now. That was one of my favorite toys. And I just said, I have two of these. And I went in and got it. My mom was mortified. But it's eat, like, so that was a terrible faux pas, right? I mean, that was terrible. But I wasn't the one that had brought, married the 13-year-old. So, you know, so. Guess it all evened out in the end. Yeah, I mean, that, well, there was something more mortifying going on there. Yeah. So it all worked out. <laughs> I was saved by the wackiness yeah. of, uh, you know, hillbilliness or whatever that was. So, That's hilarious. Yeah, interesting story. Okay, number seven. Children should not invite themselves over to other people's houses. Mm. So this this becomes a problem in elementary school whenever um, your little girl, you know, walks up to her friend's mother and says, can I come to your house? Mm. Rude, rude. Okay. So you have to teach the children. If you want to go over to someone's house, then you have to be invited. Yeah. Then you have to be invited and the mother has to call me and we will talk about it. This is not going to be arranged by the children. Bingo. Because adults make adult decisions. Exactly. I learned that from Judge Herod. He's the judge down in Eastland County and... There would always be, in, in the family law case, there would always be, inevitably, in those contested custody cases, one would stand up and say, well, if you would just talk to the child, if you just would spend a little time talking to the child about this, you know, judge, you'd figure out what to do. And you'd think, well, this, this lawyer must be from Dallas because he doesn't know what Judge Herod's about to say. And then Judge Herod would say, well, you know, I thought adults made adult decisions. I didn't think we let children make adult decisions. Yeah, and we'd that. be like, yes, yes, you just got hometown. And uh, because he had no idea he was walking into that because the law does allow you, it allows the judge to, to talk to the child. But Judge Herod would just say, I'm not necessarily going to take that into consideration. Right. And so that's a great, you know, the adults make up, the adult decisions. The adults are in charge. You can't let the inmates run the prison. <laughs> and uh, on <clears throat> along the same lines is we should also teach our kids not to come and ask us in front of another child if that child can come home with us. Because <laughs> that puts you in a very uncomfortable situation. Because right. yeah. you don't want to say to the child, no, I'm sorry, you can't come home with us. Yeah. Okay, number eight. Okay, I'm trying to get this in under an hour. Okay, children should not ask for money or gifts. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm thinking mainly about grandparents here. And I think that's something we can be kind of lax about as parents. We we will sometimes allow our children to ask grandparents or someone very close to them like that for money or for Mm -hmm. gifts. But it's very rude. And I have found that when, when children are allowed to do that with their grandparents... Then they feel like they can do that with their teachers, mm. adults at church. Right. So that's a, that's kind of a no-brainer. So number nine. Okay, number nine. Children should know basic mealtime etiquette. Okay, what is that? So that is, you know, eat over your plate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
wipe your mouth. You know, I mean, yeah. they don't have to table, be... Table manners. They, they don't have to know which fork to use, you know, but right. they need to be able to eat with people and not be just a total disaster. Right. That's a hard one, too. It's a hard one for boys. Boys are really hard because they don't take the food away from their mouth while they're eating. They eat like a squirrel. Yeah, it's just yeah. nibble, nibble, and nibble. I, and I thought that was just something that was unique to our kids. But when I've gone to lunch and, and surveyed the school cafeteria, yeah, a lot of food on the clothes, a lot of, a lot of food on the ground because they eat like squirrels. And they have their little you know, hands up here at their face with their food. Yeah. And it's just crumbs everywhere. So you got to teach them. You know, use utensils, use, use napkins, use napkins, and so on and so on. Yeah. So, because you don't want them to wind up being teenagers who just have food from ear to ear, which I have seen almost grown boys who still do not know how to eat at the table. Well, when I was in college, I really had no idea how to eat at the table. You, you was, had you had table manners, but I was I always ate really fast. No, I ate too slow. That was the deal, wasn't it? Yeah, because you talk too much. And then when I would eat, it was like I hadn't eaten in a month. Yeah. But that was, <laughs> this was. By the time you ate, your food was all cold because you yeah, talked I just so went much. through a phase where I just, um, I was always hungry. Yeah. I'm going through another phase like that, but. I feel like that phase has lasted 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not good, not good. All right, so we got, we're down to the. the we're down to number one. ten. Okay, so okay. basic table. How do you teach basic table manners though? Before we go to ten. Well, you just do it during meal times. So, you know, when one of the main ones I think is teaching them to eat over their plate because right. kids will have a tendency to get their food, lean back in their chair, yeah. and then they're just dropping food everywhere. Yeah. Lean over the plate. So if you teach them to lean up over the plate, use a napkin. And it was a rule in our house growing up that you were not, they, they considered it rude to sing at the table. Oh, that's a terrible rule. Um, I don't really adhere to that rule with my kids, but I wonder how many people were taught that it's rude to sing at the table. There's always a good time to sing. That's weird, right? That's a weird rule. I'm going to have to ask my mom about that. <laughs> like, how did that develop? Like, what, like what, who was the guy that was well, like... We, we were a very musical family. Yeah, but... I was like, no, listen here. Everyone's singing at the table. It's just wrong. Like, who had that idea first? I don't know. I, they presented it to me like it was a legitimate point of etiquette that you don't sing at the table. <laughs> you know, there was a while. I saw a, like a, a movie that Doug Wilson was in once, and, and his family started off every meal singing the doxology. And I was like, that's the best thing. And then it, it just never took hold in the Edgington house. We should try it again. I'm going to start trying to sing the doc. Because I thought that would be really cool at Taco Casa if we just... <laughs> <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. <laughs> that would Praise be Him, all creatures here below. We are grateful for 99 cent tacos. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Taco Tuesday, bust out the doxology. <laughs> it would be funny if your kids thought that's normal. Right. <laughs> but they wouldn't. They would because everybody would be like, what's wrong with those kids? They're so rude singing at the table. <laughs> Everyone knows you're not supposed to sing at the table, <laughs> especially the doxology. Who does that? <laughs> anyway. Okay. Number 10. Number 10. Drum roll. All right. This is one of the hardest ones when you have smaller children. Okay. So while being tired. Okay. Can sometimes be a catalyst for bad behavior. Mm-hmm. It cannot be an excuse for bad behavior. Mm. Okay. So we often have a tendency. I do this all the time. I will say when Emerald is having a rough time of it, I will say, what do I say, Chad? Well, she's just really tired. That's she what I say. She didn't get to bed early last night. And da, 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 now, da, da, da. it's okay for you to recognize that that is the mm -hmm. reason your child is acting this way. So that means they need more sleep. But... It is not an excuse to where they don't have to face consequences for the behavior. Right. So even though we can recognize my child is a little out of control right now because she did not sleep enough last night, we still have to carry through with consequences of those behaviors that we have expressed our expectations for and she's not meeting the expectations, we still have to carry through with consequences, even right. if she's tired. Right. 
We've got to do it. And a lot of times I think instead we just say, oh, she's tired. It's my fault I didn't get her in bed in time. Right. And we let it go. And it is your fault if you don't get them in bed in time, right? I mean, oh, we're in tra- we're the adults, so we, we have to, because we're in charge, we have to take responsibility for it. That's now, sometimes true. there's things that just, it's just the way it is. You're going to be tired sometimes. Yeah. And there's really nothing we could do about the fact that the schedule got messed up or we were at a meeting late last night or we had to travel back, those kind of things. Um, that flies having a hard time. Uh, but I think you, you hit on a good point there where it can't be an excuse. And so you've got to carry on with your consequences. Right. Because they have to learn that as they grow older, you know, and they're tired sometimes they're in junior high school, they're in high school, how you feel is not an excuse for Ooh-hoo. bad behavior. Now you're preaching, girl. That's good stuff. But also for parents, you know, the, the one one of the things we learned, we had a social media presentation here at the school in Olney, is, is the, the man who was giving the presentation was talking about how the technology has basically caused kids to not get enough sleep at all. I mean, we probably are raising a very sleep-deprived generation, just in general. You know, because their bodies are not wired to maybe for all the stimulation and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's important for us to recognize as parents, did you ever have to go to sleep when the sun was still up? Yep. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. You know, and they don't, the kids don't get to, they don't get to decide what the bedtime is. The, The parents have to do it. Right. And on the technology, if your child has a cell phone, I cannot stress enough how important it is for you to take their cell phone into your bedroom at night. Don't let them keep it in their room. What this expert was telling us in this presentation was that kids are waking up all night. They're setting their phones where they can hear the notifications, and they're waking up all night long to check their notifications on their phone. It's just a bad idea for them to have their phone in their room no matter what. They need a break from it. Take it into your room so that you're in charge of it when they're sleeping. That's just a little bonus advice. Yeah. So these are all good. So when they're, if they're tired and you're finding them always tired and that's always the excuse, maybe you need to get them some more rest. So all those are good. So children sit when adults stand. Let's see if I can um, go through them all here, if I wrote them down correctly. Children sit when the adults are – wait, children stand when the adults are sitting. I got no, it. no, when, there's, when there aren't enough seats and adults children are standing. Stand when, children stand when adults are standing. When adults don't have a seat, the children need to Get give up. up their seat. Okay, I did learn that one. Yes. I, I knew the, the concept. Yes. When adults are talking, children don't interrupt. Please and thank you. Speak when you're spoken to. Be still and quiet when it's time to be still and quiet. At meals, say please and thank you. Okay, that one was about um, if you get gifts or meals that you don't care for. Yeah, gifts or meals you don't care for, say please and thank you. Children don't invite other children or don't invite themselves to other people's houses. Children should not ask for money or gifts. You were specifically speaking of the grandparent context there. Uh, basic mealtime etiquette, table manners, mm-hmm. and then being tired is not an excuse for poor behavior, even though it might be a catalyst. For so poor behavior. those are just a few things I've learned in yeah. my halfway mark. At the halfway point, man. Parenting. That's good stuff. So we would love it if you want to add to the conversation in comments of tips that you have for teaching politeness to your children. And again, if you may have, if you listen to this and you think, oh my gosh, I've, I've just, I'm terrible. I've, I've let all this go. Start where you are. When you say that's the best thing to do. Absolutely. Start where you are. Don't feel guilty. Um, and if you're really struggling in one of these areas and you're really working hard and you're not seeing success, Keep going. Don't be discouraged. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent because a child doesn't do what you're telling them to do. The bad parents are the ones that just don't try. So go ahead. Right. And um, just remember that you're expressing love to your children when you're teaching them these things. This is how you're making them a better witness for Christ in their Christian walk, which we hope they're being led to um, follow Christ. We hope that he's already speaking to their heart. We're praying that he's softening their hearts toward him, even the little bitty ones. 
And it is the way that we make them people who are just likable, that people like to be around, Mm -hmm. a positive part of society. Right. So we want to raise likable children who are a joy for adults to be around and who uh, are not rude. Exactly. So, well, we are totally out of time. We've gone for one hour. Look, we've got to wrap it up in the next five seconds. All right. So we will see you later. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.